in the calm sea with Jesus The disciples were getting concerned The wind started violently blowing But he was asleep in the stern Does he not care that we perish? We're helpless and we're so afraid Jesus arose when they called him and said to them, where is your faith? Because you prayed all night, because you held on with all of your might. Child, your cries have awoken the Lift your hands, it's time to rejoice. Child, your cries have awoken the master. It hit you without any warning. The storm of your life had begun. Seeing no hope in the distance You're frightened and nowhere to run But by now your vessel is feeling And you're thinking you'll surely drown You cried out for help from the Savior And you know you can't give up now Because you prayed all night Because you held on with all of your might And child, your cries have awoken the master Oh, he knows your voice Lift your hands, it's time to rejoice fast asleep the winds are so deadly the water's so deep just try to be patient cause soon he'll bring peace just one word from his voice and it all must cease because you prayed all night because you held on with all of your might and child your cries have awoken the master oh he knows your voice lift your hands it's time to rejoice the child your cries have awoken the master
sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry.
sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry.
Hey friends, it's Pastor Will, and we are so glad you have joined me now for our afternoon worship service. And we'd like to say thank you for tuning in. Uh, thank you for being a part of our Facebook congregation. And I pray that you will just enjoy this, be inspired, and be blessed by the message this afternoon. We would like to make just an announcement for you. We are going to uh, begin the season of Lent this coming week. We begin with Ash Wednesday this, uh, this coming Wednesday. And if you have any questions about that, call the church office or follow our Facebook page to see what we may or may not be doing for Ash Wednesday. And then next weekend on Saturday, I believe it's March 6th, we will be gathering here at Shades of Grace on Saturday morning at 10.30 for our Saturday morning worship service. As you know, we record on Saturdays uh, for the afternoon Sunday upload to Facebook Live. And so we are gathering for in-house worship for anyone who wishes to come. We are socially distanced and we will continue to wear masks for now. And this is a solid option for those of you who really feel like you need uh, that extra layer of protection. We will be wearing masks and doing the best we can to keep everybody safe. But you can join us. We're probably the only Methodist congregation that I know of, at least in anywhere in this area, who does Saturday worship in person. Saturday morning worship at 1030. And you'll see how it happens to record behind the scenes all the things that go on to put together what you enjoy on Sunday afternoons. But remember, we will be gathering in-house one week from now on Saturday for worship service, okay? And you can follow us on our Facebook page, or you can receive the daily phone tree message. And maybe Jimmy can put that up for you. But if you would like to get our phone tree message, we usually send that out six days a week, or seven days a week, actually, Monday through Sunday. Uh, it's about a three-minute message, and it's a devotional with up-to-date announcements. And it's at no cost to you. So you can just call the church office and be added to our daily phone tree service. All right? We do want to extend Christian sympathy to the family of Charlie Weaver, who went home to be with the Lord, and his service was this past week. We pray for all of his loved ones during this very difficult time. And we also want to remember the lives of Tabby or Tabitha Housewright and Sherry Harris. Both of those services were conducted here at Shades of Grace yesterday. That was Saturday. We had two funeral services here. And so we ask you to remember those families as well. And pray for all who are sad, who are sick, who are lonely in our world today. I would like to invite you to type in your prayer request right now. If you have a special need, just begin to type it in. If it's confidential, just mention confidential or anonymous so no one will see that. God knows what it is, and we will simply be in agreement with you for that prayer need. But we've had several people call in this week with good news of answered prayers in many ways. And we know that God is no respecter of persons. So let us pray 
And always use the Lord's Prayer as our model for talking to the Lord because it covers every situation. So as you type in your request, I'm going to lead us in that prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. All right, friends, I hope you will continue to pray that prayer each day as your guideline for communication with the Lord. This weekend, we are celebrating on the Christian calendar the transfiguration of our Lord. And we've been hitting highlights in the life of Jesus since Christmas. And uh, we've been talking about, you know, Christ the King Sunday. We've been talking about the baptism of the Lord. And we've been talking about some of the great sermons that Jesus taught about how to be blessed and happy in the Lord. And so today marks that beginning of a journey, or this week begins that journey, when we remember the 40 days that our Lord wandered in the wilderness, in the desert, facing all the temptations of life that you and I could ever face. He faced them all, but there was one distinction between Jesus' temptations and your temptations and mine. And that is, he did not yield. His temptations were without sin. Our temptations often bring forth sin and involve sin. Sin literally means to miss the mark. Just missing the mark for God's ideal plan for our life. Okay, so on this transfiguration, I'm going to be reading some scriptures. And this again is from what we call the synoptic gospel accounts. Anything that's in three places, three different accounts of the gospel, we call them synoptic gospels because they talk about the same event by a different viewpoint. But we have that found in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Okay, and I'm going to read the text to you from Luke, beginning at chapter 9 and verse 28. Now about days, eight days after these things, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, and went up on the mountain to pray. And while he was praying, the appearance of his face changed, and his clothing became dazzling white. Suddenly they saw two men, Moses and Elijah, talking to him. They appeared in glory and were speaking about Jesus' departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now Peter and his companions were weighed down with sleep, but since they had stayed awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. Just as they were leaving him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, 
It's so good for us to be here. Let's just make three dwellings. One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And they didn't realize, really, what they were asking. While he was saying this, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were terrified as they entered the cloud. And then from the cloud came a voice that said, This is my son, my chosen. Listen to him. Now other translations might say, This is my beloved son. This is my choice, my chosen son, my only begotten son. When the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone. And they kept silent, and in those days told no one any of the things they had seen. Boy, what an experience. You know, we sing songs about mountaintop experiences. We talk about how we walk through the valley experiences of life. And we all do. And some of you are there right now. And some of you may be entering into that valley of shadows. Some of you may be coming out on the other side of the valley. You know, we go through valleys. Life is a series of events, mountaintops and valleys. But just remember, when you're in the valley, then you can usually see a mountainside somewhere in the distance on either side. So when you're going through a valley, it's not going to be forever. You're going to be on the mountaintop again. The reality is we love the mountaintop experiences, but life is not so. We are not created to dwell forever in those mountaintop experiences. I think Dottie Rambo made a song that says, In the valley he restoreth my soul. He picked out a valley for me. And only the Lord and you know what that experience entails for you. But remember, as God is walking with you, it's going to be okay. Because you can never walk through that valley without Jesus Christ walking with you. He said, I'll never leave you. I will never forsake you. I don't understand how it happens. I do believe in the mystery of faith. And I do believe in the mystery of godliness. And I do believe that God can do exceeding and abundantly above and beyond anything that you and I could ever ask or even hope for. God is with us. You know, I left you last Sunday with that thought from John Wesley, who in his dying days said, the best of all, God is with us. And don't ever forget that. Ever since we've been coming through the season of Advent, we've been talking about Emmanuel, God with us. And we will continue talking about Jesus Christ with us. Even as he walks toward the cross, the Bible tells us that he will be taking our infirmities. He will be taking our pain. He will be taking our sins upon himself. That is the love of God, his unconditional love, who 
will do exceedingly more than we could ever imagine. So in this particular occasion, it was a momentous experience in the life of Jesus Christ. He was now at this time about 33 years old, older than 33 I guess, maybe a few months more probably, but they went up on the mountaintop. And I've been on some of those mountaintops in Israel, especially on Mount Nebo and Mount Hermon and Mount Tabor and many of the mountaintop uh, places in the Holy Land. And it's really interesting to be up on those mountains because there's not a lot of vegetation. It's a desert country. There are stones and cliffs and, and rocks and sand. But there are no trees to obscure the view. So when you're up on those mountains, even though they may not be a really tall mountain, it seems like you could just see for miles and miles and miles. And so it was up on a mountaintop that Jesus took his disciples. And you know who the inner circle was, right? Every great leader, every great person always has an inner circle. I remember being told many years ago in ministry, to be successful as a pastor, surround yourself with persons who have stronger qualities than you have, who have assets and strengths and abilities that you may not have. And then it all fitly frames together and makes a beautiful image of the body at Christ at work in the world. And so there was Peter, James, and John. These were the three who were privileged to experience a lot of things in the ministry of our Lord that the other disciples did not always get to experience. Peter, James, and John. And what can we say about any of them? Peter was very impulsive. Peter was very, very quick to speak up. He was opinionated. He may have been short-tempered. Uh, Peter always had an answer sometimes before you even had the question. And we all know how that goes. But yet God saw strengths in Simon Peter that w desired uh, his fellowship. He wanted to have Peter as a part of his inner circle. And then James and John, who were the brothers who were uh, fishermen. You see, Jesus called people that he, that he desired to call. You see, the Bible says many are called, but few are chosen. And I think this fits well into this story today. There were many, many disciples who followed Jesus. We talk about the 12 disciples. There were many, many more than just the 12. There were multitudes of people who followed Jesus. But there were always those ones that we name as the twelve, but particularly those three, Peter, James, and John, as being the ones who were on the inside looking out. They were always close to Jesus. He knew that when all was said and done, they would continue carrying his message. Now, in the life of Peter, it took some doing, and we'll be talking about that in the next few weeks leading up to Easter. We'll be talking about how Peter, you know, uh, 
he was a pillar of the faith, but he had a whole lot of, of uh, work to be done, and yet God believed in him, and God enabled him to do that and fulfill his perfect plan for him. But here they were up on the mountain, Peter, James, and John, and they went up there to pray. Now, there's another time in the scripture, if you remember, and this will also be talked about leading into Easter and during the season of Lent. But Peter, James, and John went another time in the Garden of Gethsemane on the Mount of Olives to pray, while Jesus went a little further to pray. And what happened to them on that occasion? They all slumbered, they all slept. They fell asleep while they were praying. Well, that's exactly what happened here in this particular scripture today. They fell asleep. And you'll read about that. Uh, it tells us at one occasion that they had awakened and probably felt like that they were uh, in a dream. You know, they just felt like it had all been a great dream. And yet here... They are on the mountain, and Jesus all of a sudden begins to change in his appearance. We might call that metamorphosis. Uh, we might call that great change. Uh, he became brighter, as one writer says, than any kind of soap could make it. I mean, just extremely brilliant brightness. And his clothing even became a brilliant white uh, dazzling bright. And so uh, this is what happened in the life of Jesus. If you remember all the way back in the Old Testament, there was someone who wanted to see God. Remember Moses asked to be able to see the Lord. And the Lord said, nobody can look upon me and live. So he said, you go in the cave and look out. And when I pass by, as I go by on the back side, you'll be able to see the, the glory, the Shekinah presence. And so he was able to see the brightness. Well, here is that same brightness taking place, this transformation, this transfiguration of our Lord. When I believe his deity was fully and completely revealed. We've already seen his baptism when the, the dove came and the voice from heaven spoke, this is my beloved son. Here it is again, that same uh, language, uh, my beloved son. Um, listen to what he has to say. So this was another one of those pivotal moments in the life of Jesus. When he would set forth now steadfastly toward the cross and crucifixion. Things would change from this point on. They would be focused now upon the departure of Jesus. And the disciples didn't understand that. They really didn't comprehend what he was trying to say. But as Jesus began to be transfigured and transformed, all of a sudden there were two other historical characters from the Bible, from their Hebrew faith that they were very familiar with that appeared alongside of Jesus. Now how they would recognize for sure that this was Elijah and Moses, I do not know. 
However, they recognized each of them to be Moses and Elijah. Now we know that Moses died at the age of 120. The Bible said he was still filled with natural strength, good eyesight, and uh, you know was just taken away uh, in death at the age of 120. And the Lord buried him, the angels buried him, maybe somewhere upon Mount Nebo. However, Elijah did not die. Elijah had been taken away in a chariot and horsemen with fire and a whirlwind and taken into the heavens. But here they are, hundreds of years later, many, many hundreds of years later, in the case of Moses. And here they were, alive and well, on planet Earth. You see, we don't understand the mystery called death. We do not understand what we think of as the veil that separates mortality from immortality. Poets have tried to describe it. Songwriters have tried to sing about it. And yet, great is the mystery of godliness. We don't understand that. Someday, I believe, we will. But how this happened, I don't know, except that here stood Moses and Elijah in all of their glory. And uh, what does that represent to you? What does that mean? Here is Jesus, and then here is Elijah, and here is Moses. Okay, remember the Bible talks about the law and the prophets and grace. We have the Hebrew Bible, what we know as the Old Testament. We have the Christian Bible, what we know as the New Testament. But it takes all of it together to fully understand and know who God is. And to understand the plan and purpose that God has for us. So here was Moses, who was the great prophet of God. And remember, he was the lawgiver who had some very great mountaintop experiences also. Remember that? On the mountaintop, there he was. And um, God gave him the commandments. He wrote with the finger of God. And somebody said Moses was the very first person to break every one of the commandments all at one time. That's a bit of a figure of speech, but when he became, uh, came down off the mountain, he was angry at the reaction of the children of Israel in his absence. They began building idols and all that kind of thing, and Moses threw the tablets on the ground and broke them. Okay? So Moses had been one with the mountaintop experience. And then there was Elijah, who represented the prophets. Okay? You have the law and the prophets. And there were many other prophets of the Old Testament. Jeremiah, called the weeping prophet. There was, well, I won't even begin to name them, um, but the prophets of the Old Testament. And then we have Jesus Christ, who represents grace. Remember, Jesus said, I did not come to destroy the law of Moses or the work of the prophets. He said, I did not come to destroy any of that. It all had its place. It all had its purpose in the work of God. But he came to actually 
bring the fulfillment of that within himself. Jesus Christ became the fullness of God, and here he is on the mountaintop, transfigured in the very presence of the law and the prophets. Jesus Christ, in whom we all live, move, and have our being. You see, in the Old Testament, under Moses' time, God led the children of Israel with a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And God provided the manna from heaven under the leadership of Moses. And they followed Moses, and they grumbled against Moses, and they complained, and they found fault. And then Moses interceded for them. Remember on one occasion, the people were just angry and tired and impatient. And Moses said, Lord, if you're so angry that you're going to destroy them, just kill me too. Just, just let me be the sacrifice for them. Lord, he loved those people enough that he was willing to say, Lord, I will, I'll take their punishment. Of course, that didn't happen. But Moses really felt that way. And then there was Elijah and the prophets who would, you know, weep great tears. They would cry, uh, especially the one who is called the weeping prophet, Jeremiah, who looked out over the city, even as Jesus one day looked out over the city and wept. And remember what our Lord said, O Jerusalem, O Jerusalem, how often have I desired to call you unto myself as a mother hen would bring her little baby chicks under her wings and protect you, and you refused. You wouldn't do it. So here we have the law, the prophets, and the New Testament all coming together in the person of Jesus Christ. And after Moses and Elijah had spoken a little while to Jesus, they, were, uh, they talked about Jesus' imminent departure. They came to speak to Jesus. You know, Jesus is God. We know that. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And so Jesus is God incarnate. He is God, but he was also very man. He was human, yet he was divine for that period of time. And as a human person, he would experience death. But these two brought comfort because Moses, I'm sure, told him there's nothing to worry about because I'm already died and I'm still alive. And then Elijah would say, well, you know, you're not really going to die because you're just going to be taken away. You see, we have many concepts of death, and we spend an awful lot of time worrying about how we might leave this world. And let me tell you today, your concern needs to be, how are you going to live out your faith while you're in this world and not spend your time thinking about and fretting about how you're going to leave this world. I don't know how you're going to leave this world. It may be through death. The Bible says 
Christ has died, and we have that mystery of faith that we recite. Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. I do not understand all of it. I don't know how it's going to happen. But the important thing is, just live for the Lord and trust Him, and it's going to be okay. Don't worry about tomorrow. You know, I began my message last week by talking about that old song, Don't Worry, Be Happy. And we can't truly be blessed if we spend our days worrying about what could happen. Because, as I've told you many times, more than 90% of everything we spend our time in worry about never happens anyway. So don't let any of that rob you of your special time with the Lord. And so here was Moses and Elijah. They were talking with Jesus about his departure. Okay? And uh, actually, Jesus did die on the cross. He said, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. He gave up the ghost. But then, uh, not two months later, there stood Jesus on top of the mountain, and he was taking a ride kind of like Elijah had taken without the chariot, just going up in a cloud. There's so much we don't understand, and there's so much we really don't need to understand. Just simply know that Jesus Christ loves you, that you are a beloved child of God, and God will not leave you nor forsake you. That's what you need to know today. And so, after all this was going on, and Peter, James, and John uh, had, the, even though they'd been weighed down with sleep, uh, they had seen the glory of the two men with Jesus. Peter said, of course, you know, Peter, as I told you, was always the one who was speaking up. He always had an opinion. You know, he must have had that type A personality, a detailed person. He wanted to get it just exactly right in all the details without leaving anything out. And he said, Master, it's good for us to be here. Man, this is great. Let's make three booths, three tents, three dwelling places. One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Have you ever been in those experiences in life where you thought, man, this is so wonderful, I'd just like to stay here forever? Or at least I'd like to stay here longer than I can. You know, I've been in a few of those places in life, and I've been able to see some of the majestic sights of this world. And I've been in some places where time restraints kept me from staying longer. But how I would love to just linger in some of those places and just meditate and pray and think about the wonderful inner strength that comes from those relationships in Jesus Christ and His love. So Peter didn't quite understand the implications of all of that. He was looking at it from a natural standpoint. But while he said this, a cloud came and overshadowed them. It was like a great fog just moved in and came over the mountain and overshadowed them all. And they could no longer see 
Elijah or Moses or Jesus. And I would say it was so thick they probably could barely see one another as they were there. But they did hear something. Did you know that hearing is usually the last thing to go? That's what I've always heard. Now, it's not as if they were hearing this for the last time and they were going to die. But sometimes we hear things that we cannot see or that we cannot talk about. And so when they can no longer see because of the cloud overshadowing them, they heard those words again. This is my beloved son. This is my chosen one. Listen to him. Where had they heard that before? Where had those words been spoken before? Remember? At the Jordan River, at the baptism of Jesus, we heard those exact same words. And this time, the Bible says, when the disciples heard these words, they fell to the ground and they were overcome with fear. And I'm reading this in... Uh, Another one of the particular texts, as I said, they're in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And I think Matthew is the one that talks about him being overcome by fear. You know, um, fear is the opposite of faith. Did you know that? And here were these three disciples, the inner circle, Peter, James, and John, at probably the highlight of their entire walk as disciples of Jesus. I mean, not any of us has ever had that opportunity or that privilege to personally stand on the top of the mountain with Jesus and see Moses and Elijah. And they were as close to the Lord as anybody could ever possibly be, and by personal invitation. They were there because Jesus wanted them to be there. And yet, in their humanity, the Bible says they were overcome with fear. You may be walking as close to the Lord as you possibly know how to do. You may be doing everything that you can do to love Jesus and to love people around you and to forgive people and to be patient and kind and compassionate. You're doing everything you know to do. And yet sometimes that sudden fear comes upon you and seems to just take you to the core. You know, it just seems like to capture your whole soul. We're human. Fear is a part of living this life in the flesh. It's just a part of it. But our Lord Jesus realized exactly what they were going through, and he came over and he touched them. Maybe you need the touch of the Master today. Maybe you can just uh, think about this happening and think about your fear, think about what you're dreading in life, and just visualize the touch of the Master's hand upon your shoulder or upon your forehead or maybe his breath upon you. He's that close. He really is. Jesus touched them and said, Get up. Don't be afraid. 
Have you ever been, as a little child, fearful at night, maybe having a nightmare, and crying in your sleep, and maybe the hand of grandmother or parent or guardian came and cradled you and said, it's okay, it was just a dream, it was just a nightmare. There's nothing to be afraid of. It's just a shadow. You know, it's a shadow of death. But a shadow cannot hurt you. And when we go through the valley of the shadows, remember, the shadows cannot harm you. They can scare you, but they can't hurt you. And think of your own life now as an adult. Maybe the ones you love, or maybe the one you love, is no longer with you to embrace you, or to lay that hand upon you, or to whisper to you those words of mercy and say, it's going to be okay. It's okay. It's going to be okay. Jesus says that to you today. Listen to that still small voice of Jesus as he says to you, don't be afraid. You see, the Bible says perfect love casts out fear. And when you get close enough to Jesus and you seek that um, position of being made perfect in love, the fear will have to evaporate. It can't linger forever. And when they looked up, the only one they saw was Jesus. Let me tell you, when all else in this world is gone, when all the glamour, when all the excitement, when all the things of this world that brought you excitement, pleasure, and joy are gone, let me tell you, if you can just get one glimpse of Jesus, that's all you need to sustain you. They saw no one except Jesus. And they started down the mountain once again. They left the mountaintop experience knowing that Jesus not only touched them, but that Jesus was walking with them. Today, whatever you're walking through, whatever you're entering into or coming out of, remember, there's nothing like the touch of the Master's hand, and there's nothing that compares with knowing that Jesus Christ is walking with you. He was transfigured from that moment on, set steadfastly like a flint toward Jerusalem, toward the cross, and toward Easter, and toward Pentecost. And that's where we're heading, friends, in the next few weeks. We're going to be focusing a lot upon the sufferings of Christ as he moves forward without fear in the power of God under the leadership of the Holy Spirit as the Lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world. Behold the Lamb. God bless you, dear friends. It's been my joy to share with you today. And I hope that somehow you've learned something. Maybe you've seen things in a little bit of a different light. That's good. We learn together. We share together. May God's peace be with you. May the love of God sustain you. Farewell, dear friends. Shalom to you, dear friends, until we meet again.
Amen.